Welcome back to the Whip Around, our latest weekly women's basketball podcast on Swish Appeal, hosted by myself, Sabrina Merchant. Today's episode is going to be all-star heavy, but before we get to that, I just wanted to check in on the WNBA standings with five weeks left to go in the regular season. Sitting in the top spot, we have the Chicago Sky, who, if you listen to our episode with Annie Costable a couple weeks back, have been rolling. The Sky had four All-Stars, plus four-time three-point champion Allie Quigley, and they'll be the hosts of the second annual Commissioner's Cup final against the second seed, the Las Vegas Aces, who have been on a bit of an opposite trajectory. The Aces have lost two games in a row, including their last game before the break to the New York Liberty, in which they gave up 116 points in a 40-minute regulation game. It is not often that you see a team score 107 points in regulation, and still lose, but that was the case with the Aces against the Liberty. Fortunately, they get two more shots at New York this week. Vegas's defense has been out of sorts for a little while now, so this will be an excellent test to see if they've been able to clean things up during the break. Asia Wilson and Kelsey Plum at least tried to play defense during the All-Star game, so maybe they'll be able to bring that effort for the rest of the regular season for Las Vegas. Third place, we have the Seattle Storm, who are still figuring things out with Tina Charles. It's definitely nice to have an extra little bench offensive plug, considering how badly they've struggled to score this year. They laid waste to the Los Angeles Sparks in their last game before the break. And it is always my policy that as long as Brianna Stewart is healthy, I am not picking against the Seattle Storm. Right behind Seattle, we have the Connecticut Sun, who... I've kind of been facing a math problem in recent weeks where they've been losing to very three-point heavy offenses as their paint-bound approach is just not generating enough points. We'll see if Kurt Miller can introduce any new wrinkles to make the Sun, who are already efficient, a little more explosive moving forward. But their current first-round playoff matchup would be against the Washington Mystics, who seem to absolutely have the Sun's number. Even though the Sun managed to come back from 18 points down against Washington in their last matchup, that was a game that did not feature Elena Deladon. And whenever Deladon has been healthy, it's basically been like the 2019 finals. The Mystics beat the Sun. Right behind the Mystics, we've got the Atlanta Dream, probably the surprise team of the first half of the season, who've had some pretty impressive wins, including one over the Seattle Storm just this past week. Now with Tiffany Hayes back, Ryan Howard moves back into a more complimentary offensive role, which is much more comfortable for the rookie. And that defense has just been maniacal all year with Cheyenne Parker, Monique Billings, Nia Coffey, Nas Hillman getting in on things. That team is tough, tough, tough to score on, even with those little guards, Erica Wheeler and Aaron McDonald, just providing a lot of pressure at the point of attack. If they can just get a little bit more going on offense, that's a team that could be kind of dangerous in the postseason. Coming up in seventh place, the Los Angeles Sparks, finally looking like a competent basketball team under Fred Williams. There continue to be some weird happenings with Kennedy Carter, who mysteriously appeared on the injury report two games ago and has still not been cleared for Tuesday's contest against the Washington Mystics. 
Kennedy's had a troublesome career thus far, got suspended in Atlanta. The Sparks were able to trade for her with a first-round pick, but she hasn't quite found her footing in Los Angeles yet under both head coaches and now is injured to start the second half of the season. Hoping for the best for Kennedy because she is way too talented for her career to continue to go like this. And then that final playoff spot in the WNBA, occupied by the Dallas Wings. Again, if you've listened to this podcast in the past, you know that I have endless fascination with Dallas Wings, who can do miraculous things like beat the Connecticut Sun and then other things like lose to the Minnesota Lynx by 30 points. Never really know what you're going to get from Dallas on any given day, but they've strung together enough impressive wins to make me think that there is still a run left in this Dallas squad. But setting aside the standings, this past weekend was WNBA All-Star. We had a skills challenge featuring the best high school players at the Nike Nationals. We had the three-point shootout won by Allie Quigley, of course, and an All-Star game that was highlighted by the incredible 15th-year stylings of Sylvia Fowles, as well as some superb shot-making from Jewel Lloyd, Sabrina Inescu, Kelsey Plum, and even Candace Parker got in on that four-point action. I wanted to talk a little bit more about All-Star and how the WNBA handled things in Chicago this year. So Eric Nemchak, a contributor at Swish Appeal who was present for the All-Star festivities in Chicago, came on the show to talk about how the WNBA organized this event, what improvements can be made in the future, and what the experience was like on the ground. All right. I'm very happy to be joined by Eric Nemchak, one of our contributors at Swish Appeal, who happened to be at the All-Star game on Sunday. Eric, how you doing? I'm good, Sabrina. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, I was a little disappointed not to be in Chicago this weekend for All-Star, but I'm <laughs> I'm excited that at least uh, someone who is, you know, a Chicago Sky season ticket holder, who's familiar with the area, who happened to be at the game and got to see Sylvia Fowles dunk in person is yes. able to share those memories with us. Um, but I wanted to start just a little bit earlier uh, with just the fact that Chicago had an all-star game to begin with. Um, I know there's been some talk about like how Vegas does such a great job of hosting these events in the WNBA and obviously Mark Davis and just the whole Las Vegas Aces organization are really pro big WNBA events. And I like the idea of having you know, a consistent all-star game for the W because knowing that an event is going to happen in April does not leave us with a ton of time to plan these things. It does not. It does not. No. <laughs> so I guess just first off, like, uh, what, what was the vibe like in, you know, the area of hosting WMA all-star? Like, was there a good atmosphere, like around all of the public events at the very least that was happening? Like, was there excitement around the idea of, oh, our defending champion Chicago sky are the hosts for the all-star game? Absolutely. There was excitement. Um, I, I think it wasn't really expected that this guy would ever host an all-star game, to be mm -hmm. honest with you. I know as a season ticket holder, I was not expecting it. Um, I didn't think they would ever host the all-star game primarily because of what you said about Las Vegas. I mean, it's really, really hard to outdo Las Vegas yeah. in any sort of public <laughs> gathering event, you know, and, and I'm completely okay with that. You know, um, I'm, I'm okay with our, our little arena at Wintrust and I'll be honest, I'm not the biggest all-star game person you know I, mm -hmm. I like it more when the games count but you know to each of their own so so, so no judgment there um but yeah I know when I when I when the report came out about Chicago hosting the WNBA all-star game in 2022 I was surprised but that instantly turned to excitement you know like wow this is really cool you know the sky have come such a long way since their inception you know they won the championship last year now they're gonna be hosting the all-star game this is a huge event for WNBA fans it was very exciting and I think a lot of other people were excited to come to Chicago 
and, and experience that with us. You know, it's not just obviously the Sky fans who are going to be experiencing it. It's WNBA fans who fly in and drive in and, and come from around the country and in some cases from around the world to experience this great event with us. So, yeah, really, really exciting. Um, a little surprising, but really exciting and a lot of anticipation coming up to it, you know? Yeah. And speaking of that anticipation, um, I am actually a huge all-star aficionado. I love this okay. stuff. I love the okay. stupid cool. little, you know, mini games of the three-point shootout and the <laughs> skills challenge. I mean, I just, my, some of my very early memories writing about basketball are literally just going in on NBA all-star weekend. So this sure. is, this is the stuff that I live for. I, sure. I'm very excited that Chicago had this opportunity, like to be a first, I think it's a first time host. I'm not yeah. I'm that right. Yeah. It's first yeah, time. First host. time. Yeah. And just to like mix it up because obviously we've seen what Vegas can do, but it's nice to give other cities a chance to do something a little bit different. And I personally thought that the tie-in with the Nike nationals to have the youth basketball component with it was such a good idea because yes, um, we, it's one of the weirdest things to me about the WNBA is that young girls growing up and even players in college, like don't really consume the league. Their uh, interaction with professional basketball is mostly the NBA and, um, you know, there's a lot of reasons for that, but I just think that getting the very best of, you know, American girls basketball and putting them in the same room as WNBA players and just having this really strong connection between the two, I thought that was a just tremendous idea. And I'm really happy that even if, uh, some of the, some of the fan experience wasn't what might've been advertised at the very least, uh, WNBA targeted a specific market of young girls playing basketball and was able to attach that to all-star. Um, and like, even in the skills challenge, I thought that was probably my favorite part of the weekend, honestly, which I realize is unpopular opinion. <laughs> Ali Quigley and Sylvia Powell did later. Uh, yeah, let's, let's get into that just uh, Saturday of it all, because, um, I didn't find out until I think Thursday or Friday of last week that those would not be open to fans. Now, as right. somebody who was planning on attending, was that made clear ahead of time? Was that made clear ahead of time? Um, well, if by ahead of time, you mean at least the day before. Yeah, okay. it was made clear. Um, <laughs> it, it was not abundantly clear, though. You know, it was not. See, here's the thing, Sabrina. I went to the All-Star Game in Seattle in 2017 mm-hmm. in Minnesota in 2018. The precedent was established that if you had a ticket to get into the All-Star Game, you were able to get into the skills challenge and three-point contest as well, no matter when they were being held. Okay. Um, so I think it was disappointing for one to learn that those weren't going to be available. In fact, speaking of the ticket, people were asking me, like, I don't know why they're asking me, maybe because I'm a sky season ticket holder. Yeah. But they, they were saying like, Eric, do you know if this ticket applies to the three point contest or, and then the skills challenge? I said, I mean, I don't know. I think like that's mm-hmm. how they've done it in the past, but it wasn't that way this year. Um, I think that was a little confusing at best. Because like I said, the precedent had been established and we didn't really know until maybe a couple of days before at, at the latest or at the earliest rather that no, the ticket would not be good for the skills challenge and the three point contest. And we didn't know that it wouldn't be in Wintrust Arena either, like Mm -hmm. that it would be happening in the McCormick place, which is a convention center that was also a last minute thing. Um, So not much advance notice on that. Got it. So Kathy Engelbert did mention in her uh, pre all-star game press conference that they knew Wintrust arena was not going to be available for a Saturday skills event mm-hmm. when they agreed to let Chicago host. Um, and I do think that in the, like the press release that they gave out about all-star events, it was made clear that all-star Saturday would not be held in Wintrust. 
Um, but again, that wasn't given to the public, right? That was just like a, a media release sent out to people who are on the WNBA PR listserv. Right. And honestly, it didn't even occur to me that that information had not been publicized because I just assumed that, oh, if you were staging an event as part of All-Star Weekend, like people will know where those events are going to be. Um, so that the idea that it wasn't in Wintrust like doesn't bother me so much because arena availability is whatever it is. And, you know, if you want to, from what I understand, there were like WNBA live events also at McCormick Place, right? Well, so it was kind of interesting there. First of all, I agree with you. The, the fact that the arena was not uh, available. I mean, stuff happens. So right. I, I don't know. I, of course, in don't and of know. itself is not a huge deal. Right. In and it itself is not a huge deal. I understand, uh, especially, you know, with COVID planning, things is a little more mm-hmm. difficult when you're planning big events like this, you need big spaces. So that in, in itself was not an issue to me. Um, but yes, the WNBA live events. So McCormick Place, it is, according to Wikipedia, the largest convention center in North America. And I know that's true because Wikipedia never lies, right? Sure. I'm just joking. Um, but yeah, no, it's a very, it's a very large convention center. It's, it's like maybe four or five buildings. They have a car show in there every winter. So it's a big place, right? Mm-hmm. It could definitely hold more than a few EYBL teams, but we can get to that when we get to that. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, the WNBA live event, which I guess was their idea of, of a fan engagement event, that was immediately outside the McCormick Place building across from Wintrust Arena. Okay. So it's, it's across the street, basically, from the arena, and it was held in the parking lot. It was a parking lot uh, next to the McCormick Place building. Um, they kind of roped everything off. They fenced everything off with a nice orange fencing in, in, in keeping with the WNBA's sure. orange theme. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, they basically set up a bunch of different little stations in this parking lot, in this fenced off area. Um, it wasn't very big. It was a little, it was pretty sparse, to be honest with you. Um, there, okay. are, there, are very, there are very specific ways to enter and to exit. Um, you had to, I think, theoretically, they wanted people to register, but all the registration was was, putting in your name and your favorite WNB team, then they send you an email and you'd have to screenshot the email and show it to the person going in. And that was the registration. I don't know what the purpose of that was, but yeah. Um, and they had like a bunch of little stations. They had, you know, the merchandise station. Okay. They had, uh, they gave people a chance to shoot around, like do a little three point contest. Mm-hmm. Um, they had some Q and A's with a few WNBA players. They had AT&T was sponsoring this I wouldn't call it a photo booth, but there is, they took like five second videos, you know, you know how it is. Okay. You know, um, sure. sure. What I want to say, what, what am I looking for here? What words am I looking for here? Um, I guess some like kind a, of media. Like a, sure. Sure. Like a real photo booth. Yeah. With like professional yeah. photographers and videographers there. And mm-hmm. so that was cool. That was cool. You know, okay. um, but in general, it was kind of underwhelming mm-hmm. because I mean, there just wasn't a lot there, you know? Um, one thing I did like though, that I have to point out because I can't be all negative about this. Sure. Is that um, on the fence coverings, they were promoting small and minority owned businesses, which oh, I nice. think was cool. They're they highlighting, you know, the, the people in charge, what their mission was, what they do. And they included uh, QR codes. So if you're interested, you could use your phone and scan the businesses and look them up on their social media or whatnot. That was oh, that's cool. awesome. Yeah, I thought that was good. Yeah, that was a dope idea. Okay. So we have uh, some some kind of WNBA live fan event happening. And then there is a three point shootout and skills challenge that apparently was not open to the public, right? They did allow uh, the EYBL teams to come inside. Right. Yeah. And from what I understand, there were like some select fan uh, 
giveaways or scavenger hunts or some sort that allowed a limited number of people in as well. Is that correct? I believe so. I thought it was the Nike national team, Nike nationals teams, uh-huh. uh, select partners and select media, you know, okay. what, how those were selected. I have absolutely no idea, but it was very limited attendance. It was very, they were very clear in who could get in and who couldn't basically. Gotcha. Yeah. So, I mean, I will say like watching it on television, there was lit, like zero to, you know, very few shots of the crowd itself. And, you know, as a, as a television product, I enjoyed just the singular focus on the court itself. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But it was unclear to me how many people were actually in attendance. So, okay. That's interesting that uh, this big WNBA fan part of the season was unavailable to fans itself. Just uh just typically, a weird thing, you, know? you know, like typically something that's usually available to fans would usually yeah. let fans in, uh-huh. but I, I didn't organize it. You know, yeah. look at me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just think it's interesting that, you know, if you're going to have an event like this, which is clearly not for the players, right? Like, correct. I mean, on the one hand, I'm sure Allie Quigley is not bemoaning the fact that she got to, you know, be in another three point shootout and is now a four time champion, you know, that's the right. most in either professional league. Like that's right. That's a great thing. But I also think that part of the, part of the allure of having these events is to share them with people. And I guess not only were they unavailable to fans, but then there was this whole thing where they were originally set up for ESPN, but the Wimbledon doubles championship was happening. And so that ran an hour over and (laughs) events did not air on ESPN. It aired on ESPN U, which not everyone gets, which not everyone gets. Right. Uh, Thankfully it did show up on league pass later, but I mean, the fun of this is like experiencing it live. And the fact that it was available only past letters is great. Like it was useful for me to go back and rewatch it. Cause my, uh, my TiVo of the ESPN thing only gave me tennis. Uh, but yeah, not, not what you're hoping for. Okay. Well, let's, let's just talk about the event itself. I assume you got to watch it like on a big screen or something. Yeah. So as a sky season ticket holder, um, the sky sent out invites to a little event they were doing on the side. This, as mm-hmm. I understand it, I could be wrong, but as I understand it, it was completely independent of what the WNBA was doing. Got it. The sky sent out an invite for premium season ticket holders, which is, uh, I believe courtside season ticket holders and season ticket holders who sit in this little VIP area at sky games. Mm-hmm. So not all season ticket holders. I want to make that clear. Um, right that we were invited to this it's like a little lounge area that just that recently opened it's like in a it's adjacent to the mccormick place parking garage i'm not doing a very good job of describing it but um, that's cool we were not outside we were, we were inside we had food served to us we had drinks served there were several large tvs we got to mingle around um take photos with the wnba trophy which i thought was cool mm-hmm. um and everyone in everyone in there was was, was cool um but not all sky season ticket holders were invited and i think that in itself is kind of an issue because okay. like, it's, it's not this guy's fault. They, they did not have the capacity to invite everybody in. And at some point when you're inviting some people in is like, well, what about everyone else? Like, what if I had season tickets in section 124 row J and I couldn't go, you know, like, mm-hmm. Oh, it's only available for premium sky fans. That doesn't sound very good either. You know, cause that, that kind no, of furthers no. the, the divide, yeah. if you will, um, the favoritism. So gotcha. I was inside. Um, so I can't speak to what the experience was like outside, mm-hmm. but I would assume, like I would hope they would have something, <laughs> some, some sort of television <laughs> screen for people to watch it outside. Otherwise that would have been a complete disaster. Right. That would be a very strange look. That would be uh, horrible. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, I mean, 
do you have any specific thoughts about the skills challenge or the three-point shootout that, you know, stood out to you or as I mean, uh, as someone who wants the games to count, it wasn't your favorite part <laughs> of the experience. You know, I do want the games to count, but well, I, I'll agree with you on this. I do think it was really cool how they incorporated the Nike nationals and the youth mm-hmm. girls there, because it is a huge issue at that level. How, just how few of these girls basketball players at the high school level don't really watch the WNBA. Right. And they're not interested in the WNBA at all. Now I'm not entirely sure if that's the WNBA's problem. Um, like the, the coaches need to do a good job of, of exposing them to the game. There needs to be a better effort at the grassroots level to basically get these girls interested in the WNBA, you know, when, the, when they're growing up rather than the WNBA right. coming to them, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, you're right. The Nike nationals were in town. So it was a good idea to kind of incorporate them in that event. I like how they made the, the, the girls, um, the young girls go first in the skills yeah. contest. So it wasn't, up, it, it wasn't up yeah. to them, you know, like it didn't come down to them at the end of the, at the end of the mm-hmm. day. Um, I mean, I liked it. I thought it was cool. Um, not saying that just because Ellie Quigley won again, but um, <laughs> I, I, I do enjoy some three pointers. I do enjoy the three point contest. I think it's a lot of fun uh, watching that. And uh, the atmosphere in the sky lounge is pretty, uh, was pretty lit. It's pretty electric because we were watching our girl, but um, yeah, it, it, those are easy events to get in, get into, you know, they're fun. They're maybe a little silly. They may not count for anything, but they're short. They're sweet. Everyone's having a good time on TV. So it's, it's hard not to enjoy it with them, you know? Yeah, I really enjoy the format of the skills challenge, uh, like the, the, so, I mean, I'm going to get a little out of the weeds here, but like, uh, um, it is, it has been one of my least favorite things about the NBA version of the skills challenge that they've progressively removed more and more skills from the event. Yeah. Like there used to be like these bounce passes and outlet passes in addition to the chest pass and they're, they've taken away a lot of that, but I do think that the fact that they've made it instead of just timed, uh, a race has added a lot of the excitement back because at the very least, even if there aren't as many elements to it, just having people compete directly against one another yeah, is it makes a really it competitive. Good way of, exactly. Yeah. It's a really good way of adding intrigue. So I do really enjoy the format. I thought the the two, you know, two versus two was an excellent idea. Um, one of my favorite parts of the event was when uh, Kelsey Plum and Ryan Howard's teams were against each other in the first round. And Ryan Howard is just like coasting because she has this huge lead on Kelsey. Plum. Yeah. <laughs> and Plum is just not someone who's going to give up that easily. No, so no. literally like a full length of the court, Ryan Howard is up and just somehow manages not to uh, get this done. But yeah, I, I enjoy like seeing which players actually care that much about winning. Like when uh, John Colt Jones took like a 40 foot three pointer. Yes. Shot she well, she was, she was getting like, ready for the game from four point range, right? Yeah, clearly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely enjoyed that part of the skill challenge. Um, I assume if you're watching in the sky lounge that you were unable to hear Rebecca Lowe's commentary where she was correctly pointing out the Sabrina Nescu kept cheating on the passes. Oh, I didn't hear the, I didn't need to hear the commentary. I saw okay. it. I saw it. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm stunned that they didn't look into this because in the three point shootout, they will check if your feet are on the line, <laughs> like there is, they go back and they confirm the score, right? Like there's a, there's a gap in between when the buzzer ends and when they actually put up the final score. Right. Right. And like, I know JJ Reddick has spoken about this a couple of times, how like he had the most long twos in the history of the NBA three point shootout <laughs> and like they were all taken away. So I do think that there needs to be some measure of accountability in the skills challenge. Cause I don't think Sabrina should want, but that being said, <laughs> obviously very fun, very fun event. Uh, three point shootout. I thought was also great. Uh, Ariel Atkins and Ryan Howard setting a really nice pace early. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Asia Wilson's just uh, utter confusion at Kelsey Plum's performance. <laughs> 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 I 
<laughs> I, I maintain because Kelsey Plum like did her hair differently and was not in her usual high bun. And, you think like, that's why? I think it just messed up with her like general aerodynamic going on. Her um, aerodynamics. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's a big difference. Like you watch a lot of people, like when they have a ponytail, like they have to have it the exact same way every time they play basketball. Well, I don't know Plum because a Allie, different. Allie quickly had her hair down like that too. And, and she didn't struggle at she all. She has much shorter hair. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll give yeah. it to you. I don't have long hair, so I can't, I can't. Count <laughs> but yeah, I, uh, I was a little, honestly, I was a little disappointed by Ali Quigley's first round score, even though she won the first round because 26, when there were 40 possible points, it's not like, you know, she Allie started Quigley. a little cold. She, she started, started a little, a little cold, cold, right? Um, but then to get to 30 in the second round while, you know, the, the Candace Parker, uh, documentation of it, like just how nervous Courtney Vandersloot gets every time <laughs> Ali Quigley competes is probably the best part. Yeah. And I do agree that it's nice that they call it, they should really just call it like the Allie Quigley 3.2 out from here on out. Like, they they should call sponsors. it the Allie Quigley Invitational. Yeah. Absolutely. Allie Quigley Invitational. I'm all for it. To get to 30 is like a really good number, even if it's out of 40, because those, those do zone shots, you know, are not really Allie Quigley style, even though I, I do think she hit one in the final round at the very least. I think so. You know, yeah. what's impressive about that is she puts her money ball rack on the right wing. I know. That's not something everyone, everyone would probably People put it not put either, either yeah. in the corner or straight away. Right. She is so confident in that that's her shot mm-hmm. and she, she, it, it works for her every time. Yeah. I'm, I'm just so glad that they forced her into participating, <laughs> that they moved the event to Chicago. If like, if the only reason that the all-star game was in Chicago was to force Allie Quigley to be part of the three-point shootout, then I'm all for it. Like, just tell me that's why you did it, Kathy. And I will yeah. forgive everything else that happened. Exactly. Because exactly. that moment was worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we have all-star Saturday, all good and well. Then there's a concert in the evening on Saturday. Is that what? Uh, allegedly. Allegedly a concert. Okay. <laughs> Apparently there was a concert. Well, what, what happened was, so the itinerary as it was presented on the website was that everything on Saturday ended at four o'clock, right? Okay. So I, as a regular person who was only going from the website, you know, forgive me for mm-hmm. looking at the WNBA website for information. Sure. Yeah, right. Um, me and some friends went out for pizza because mm-hmm. when you're in Chicago, that's what you do. You get pizza. Of um, Aurelio's by the way, highly recommended. Um, so we went out to get pizza. Then we, we came back maybe around like five 30 ish and just, just, just to see what was going on. See if there was anybody lounging around, you know, the part of the appeal of all-star weekend is always that you never know who you're going to meet. You never know which players or WNBA adjacent people are going to be hanging around. And in a city like Chicago, you know, there's plenty of things to do. So it's like five 30 on a Saturday night. Yeah. People are going to be out and about. So we, we were walking around and we went to the WNBA live thing and there's this big line. There's this big line, uh, people waiting to get in. I'm like, wow, are are there players signing autographs in there? Like, Mm -hmm. what's going on? So me and some friends go to get in line, and the people uh, working the event are are saying, you need green wristbands. You need green wristbands to get in. I'm like, what? Mm -hmm. What what, what green wristband? Uh, You need a green wristband. You know, how how can we make this more clear? You need a green wristband. Like, (laughs) how do I get a green wristband? Oh, if you don't have one already, you know, you might as well just leave. Like, they're not going to let you. Like, what? Like, I don't understand what's going on. And people, you know, were chatting, and apparently it was a chance to rap a concert. Okay. The rapper was going to be performing um, for whoever. Very like, Chicago. For whoever had a green wristband, apparently. Uh-huh. Um, and nobody knew about this beforehand, hmm. except for the people who were invited. Now, there was a tweet, I think, I forget who sent it. Was it AT&T who sent this tweet or was it the, the WNBA? Um, we knew the Chance the Rapper would be performing on a live stream. But okay. we didn't know that it would be open to certain people. Uh-huh. So maybe that's what it was. It, it was just a very confusing thing because they were once again, drawing a very clear line as to who could be included in this and who was not allowed in. 
Mm. And it was disappointing, honestly. Um, full disclosure, I am not a Chance the Rapper fan. But, but I heard Lotto was there too. Lotto was there too. Yes, Lotto was there too. That that is correct. Which another thing we didn't know until we were literally standing right. in line for it. Um, but it's just the principle of the thing. Mm-hmm. Like, how are you going to have a WNBA All Star Weekend, which, as you alluded to, is for the fans, if right. I'm not mistaken, and then not let fans do anything? It's very strange to me. And yeah. now you saw Kathy Engelbert's explanation for this, right? Uh, yes, there was some uh, garbled nonsense about. Uh, COVID safety and I think gun safety. There were a lot of excuses, none yeah. of which really made sense to me. Mm-hmm. And if you wouldn't mind me kind of addressing that. Let's do it, Eric. Um, okay. So one, if you are concerned about gun violence, which in itself, a gun violence at a Chance Rapper concert, mm, not sure, not too sure about that one. Mm-hmm. Um, that is for one, perpetuating a harmful stereotype about Chicago as an area in general. And two, if you are so concerned about gun violence in this area, why are you only letting the kids in to see the concert? <laughs> Aren't, wouldn't you want to protect the children? Like that doesn't make sense to me. Um, I digress. Uh, Chase of Chicago, a very large open event with mm-hmm. lots of food and lots of music, much more than just two artists was also happening throughout this entire weekend. Um, there was plenty of security there and I don't believe, if anything bad happened, could be wrong, but I don't believe there was any disaster. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't buy that. I don't buy that. Also for the COVID, I understand that it's difficult to probably plan something like this very far in advance. Um, but if that's the case, once again, were masks mandated at this event? No. no. <laughs> were vaccine requirements, were, were the vaccine cards requirement required? No, they weren't. So if you're really concerned about COVID, um, why are you not taking those precautions? Like, Mm -hmm. it just doesn't add up to me. It just doesn't add up. Like, there are a lot of excuses made, and maybe they were legitimate, maybe they weren't, um, but they just didn't hold the amount of weight that they should have. And it was disappointing. Yeah, I I completely agree. Um, And just like compounding that with the fans not being allowed to attend the three-point shootout and the skills challenge, and then also like, it, it didn't seem like a lot of planning went into those events to begin with, because no, I don't better. think we got the lists for the competitors until Thursday and Friday. <laughs> like I was talking to a WMA player this weekend who, uh, let's leave her nameless for now. Uh, she said that she absolutely would have gone for either event. Um, and I was like, well, maybe they just only wanted all-stars because they knew people like wanted that weekend off or like they only took all-stars and then local people. Cause I know Azra Stevens and Allie were obviously in right those events she's like melissa smith got an invite too and i was like oh okay well she's in indiana that's not that <laughs> sure, far sure. but yeah um it does seem like there was uh more enthusiasm from the players to actually participate and not a lot of creativity on behalf of the league in terms of who should be invited the whole thing just seemed very last minute mm-hmm. if that's how i could summarize it succinctly it seemed very last minute yeah you know which is too bad because again, I thought the product on Saturday was really entertaining, honestly. And then that carried over to Sunday where yes, take away the four point shot, please. Like I did not go <laughs> for the four point shot in the all-star game. That, that, that wasn't that, that didn't go so well, did it? But otherwise like, yeah, people are going to take a lot of threes. It is what it is. Uh, but it was a really fun all-star game. Like to, for Becky Hammond to start the game running horns for a Sylvia Fowles three pointer. <laughs> like <laughs> she was what? trying. 
What an incredible moment to start things off. Asia Wilson, greatest hype woman in the world, truly. Uh, the the moment when like she joined in Asia Wilson and Kelsey Plum on that trap on the sideline on MMA. They were trapping that, Jackie Young on every. They were trapping every time Jackie t- Young religiously. It was they the were trolling part. her so hard. It, that was hilarious. Um, and then the dunk, obviously a great moment. Uh, I'm not willing to call NECA's shot a dunk. I'm, I think uh, we have to set a, dunk. a slightly higher standard for that. It was yeah. an attempted dunk that still resulted in two points. Went in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, but yeah, just like fun basketball, you know, John Quill Jones obviously had a lot going on. Uh, Kelsey Flom was great. You know, Enrique Jewel had some really nice one-on moments. Uh, Skyler, it was absolute train wreck on offense, but <laughs> fun moments defensively. Uh, it was just, I thought it was a really nice showcase for like what these players are good at. I mean, Bree Jones coming in and immediately posting up Alyssa Thomas. Like, yes, this is why I live for all-star games. Honestly. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, I guess just like, how did Sunday go? You know, was it uh, still a feeling of what was happening here or did it feel more like, okay, this is what an all-star game is supposed to be like. No, it definitely felt a lot better. It felt a lot more cohesive. Okay. I mean, it felt like a real basketball event. I mean, that may sound silly, but um, this is what everyone paid to see. Like mm-hmm. you said, the player, the, the best players in the world showcasing their best abilities and having fun doing it. Um, it's an exhibition game. I think the players understand that and they know they're, to, they know they're there to put on for the fans. So these moments, like, like you mentioned of uh, uh, Plum and Wilson trapping Jackie Young, every time she touched the ball uh, and her Bridget, tweeting back at them, like, stop it. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. People tweeting while they're in the game. Um, Alyssa Thomas and uh, jo- and Bree Jones going at it. Uh, mm-hmm. Ryan Howard and Enrique going at it. That mm-hmm. was very noticeable. Um, just people having a good time. This is it's what an All Star game should be about. It's and as for the fans, it was as always a great reason for a bunch of like minded people to get together and enjoy each other's company at an event where you know otherwise may not be possible, right? Because the WNBA is a league that is very spread out across the country right. in a lot of areas. You just can't get access to a WNBA game easily. So mm-hmm. I think every year the WNBA All-Star game, you know, happens. Uh, people see that as that is the hub for WNBA fans. That is the event that everyone marks in their calendar to say, okay, I'm going to meet everybody from social media, from WNBA Twitter, from mm-hmm. all my friends from message boards or whatever. We're all going to get together. We're going to have a great time for one weekend as WNBA fans. And at the All-Star game, that's what it was about. You know, um, as somebody who, fre- who frequently uh, visits Wintrust Arena, Mm-hmm. It was pretty packed. I'm not sure that arena can really hold that many people. Like it has a seating, but it got a little crowded on the concourse. Um, and okay. of course at, at the merchandise stand, but mm-hmm. um, no, otherwise it was, a, it was a great game. It was a lot of fun. Everyone was having a good time and they, and they really did right by the, by the legend, in the arena as well. Oh, so let's get into that. Um, yeah. There was some, so watching on television uh, for the first like three quarters of the game, it seemed like there was relatively even shrift given to Sylvia Fowles and Superd. Sure. Um, which on the one hand, like is, is great because they're both co-captains. They're both retiring legends. On the other hand, like Syl was doing a lot more than Sue was and probably should oh, be yeah. getting more attention. Oh yeah. <laughs> but then, um, you know, Sue gets, takes a take foul with like two and a half minutes left. She gets subbed out. The camera pans to her. It's this very big, like this is the last time Sue is going to be checking out of an all-star game. Right. And I didn't even notice until the camera pans back to the court that Sylvia Fowles is no longer there. And Sylvia Fowles is very clear. She doesn't like the sexual attention. You know, um, she's personality wise, you know, she's not as out there as Sue Bird. And so maybe she wanted to just walk out without having a big hubbub about it. But 
clearly ESPN did not make a big deal about it. And maybe that's because they're in business with Subert. Like she literally does work for their television network or it's because they've been promoting <laughs> Subert more for the entirety of it. But like in the arena, did it seem like it was equivalent between the two of them? It honestly did. It okay. honestly did. Um, and, and this is something I don't believe the fans in attendance were even really worried about that. You know, they're, okay. they're, they're, they're in the moment. Um, they're cheering, they're cheering for Sue. They're cheering for Sylvia. And that thing that you, that, that, Inst- uh, that um, the timeout that you uh, you referenced, you know, mm-hmm. take foul so they could sub out, get a standing ovation. Yeah, they did the same thing for Sylvia. Excellent. People were cheering equally as loud for Sylvia, if not louder, as they were for Sue. So if there was some sort of discrepancy on the broadcast, it definitely was not that way in the arena. Okay, cool. Well, that's good to know at least. Um, yeah. And then I have two more questions before I'm gonna let you go. Okay. Uh, first one. Do you think that the WNBA needs to start announcing all-star in like more with more notice or like, is there a reason to believe that they can get this right? Like picking a site every April? No, no, that's not, that's not feasible. That's okay. That's not, that's just unfair. It's unfair to everyone involved. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sure in jobs that you've worked, you don't really like it when people wait until the last minute when coworkers or, or partners wait until the last minute to notify you of some big uh, project. Very much or, not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. We, we can all relate to that. Um, and you know, maybe sometimes it works out, but sometimes you get burned and the WNBA got burned by waiting this long. Um, I don't know if it's entirely their fault that Wintrust arena was booked. I don't know the, the, the schedule, you know, how far in advance they need to book the arena, but mm-hmm. that certainly needs to go into consideration when they're planning on where to host the events. No, you, you wouldn't, it, it doesn't make sense to say, okay, we know Winterest Arena is not going to be available, but let's have it in Chicago anyway. Like that's that doesn't make much sense to me either. It's a weird thought. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a weird thought. But anyway, um, I definitely do think they need to start planning it more in advance. Um, you know, not only for them, but for the people who are attending. I'll once mm-hmm. again go back to this. You know, I have a friend who came in from New York. Uh, she has been a WNBA fan for a very, very she says that the WNBA All-Star Weekend is basically WNBA con, which you know, everyone there there to watch WNBA and to chat about WNBA, to buy WNBA merchandise, to see WNBA players. Everything is about the WNBA. People are making a huge effort to get in, to take time off their everyday lives, to spend their hard-earned money, to do stuff with the WNBA. It's a big deal. Mm-hmm. It's a big deal. Um, it's not fair to those people, honestly, to say, okay, you know, uh, we may or may not be doing this. We'll let you know. Uh, and then they'll end up letting you know two days before the event. Like, no. Yeah, that, that, that's not not, that's unfair. No, that's unfair. People have lives. People have got stuff to do. Mm-hmm. And if you as a league know, and don't tell me they don't know this after 26 <laughs> years, if you as a league don't know what this event means to your dedicated fans, then we've got a big problem, a very big problem. So, yes, please plan more in advance next time. Please. Yeah. As someone who lives in LA, like I'm obviously biased towards a permanent location in Vegas just for convenience (laughs) on my part, but I think it'd be perfectly fine to have them even on, you know, non WNBA cities, just because it's a good way of just increasing the WNBA footprint around the country. You just, you just need to know, like soon enough, (laughs) like ask the team that won the championship, Hey, do you want to host it in October? And then immediately get on another one. Right. (laughs) right, That's not an option. Um, Okay. But then my last question for you, Eric, is do you think that Asia Wilson significantly outdrafted Brianna Stewart or why was the result so lopsided? Hmm. Well, for one, I think they were running very poorly on four pointers. 
Mm-hmm. I think maybe they invested a little too much in the four point shot. Cause that wasn't really going down for him. We're talking about team Stewie. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Or maybe it was team Jones. I don't know. Did, did the box score actually have a, a, a category for four point shots? It did not have a category for four point shots, but <sighs> I can tell you that it was two of 14 collectively in the first half. Only John Quill and Sabrina made them. And then in the second half, I want to say Candace got one and John Quill and Sabrina also added it. Well, I thought points. Candace got fouled shooting a four point shot. But she then... actually got fouled shooting a three point shot. Oh man. I might need to see yeah. the video review on that. It sure looked like a four. <laughs> But That's the problem do- with having specific locations for four point shots yeah. because like she was at the distance of a four point shot, but not on the spot itself. But anyway, I think to answer your question seriously, um, I think in the all-star t- like in an all-star environment, you want the explosive scores mm-hmm. because you know, no one's going to really be playing defense anyway. Mm-hmm. So if you have people like, if you have like, say Jewel, Enrique, Ryan, Stewie, all on one team, mm-hmm. then I think you're probably going to have a better chance. Um, like this is no disrespect to Bree Jones, but a back to the basket paint bound player is simply not going to have as much effect on the game. An all-star game I agree. as I agree. somebody who's just going to be launching from the outside. That's, that's just how it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, maybe, maybe, uh, team Stewie ran a little poor with their jump shots and, you know, maybe given a, given a repeat, they would have performed a little better. I don't know. Um, I do know that the game went, uh, that the game total went significantly under. I believe it was, it was lined at like 255 and a half. Yeah, 39 um, points in the first half is astounding. Like for, yeah, that's not for, good. A, for any team that features Brianna Stewart, let alone an all-star team. That's not good. If, if I was coaching that team, I'd be like, what's going on? Like, I know, James Wade. Like I'm I'm going to have to consider this in my coach of the year ballot at the end of the year. Just you, you how he was outclassed by Becky Hammond Very fair. Could yeah. only get 39 points out of that group. Mm. Ugh, yeah. Got to do better, James. I thought Stewie <laughs> did fine drafting up until the trades at the very end. Like, uh, trading NECA for Sabrina, big mistake in an all-star game. Oh yeah. Objectively. I think NECA is having a better season, but like you said, you want those explosive shooters. Like I just want more playmakers as possible yeah. in an all-star yeah. game. So to make that trade, I thought was a mistake. And then Sylvia Fowles for Sue Bird, presumably to balance that out, you know, by getting another point guard. I Sue wonder was, if, the, I wonder if that wasn't, I don't yeah. want to say rigged, but. Uh, I mean, why not just put them together to begin with? <laughs> Co-captains. I don't know. Once again, I'm, I, I was just an attendee. I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, uh, it was, it was a very enjoyable game. Uh, I'm glad that it got like at least a little interesting in the fourth quarter, you know, with that flurry of jewel Lloyd threes. And then we got that nice moment from Sabrina, just like to rein in one after the other. And I did appreciate that. Like there were actually after timeout sets. Like they didn't just yes. randomly go out on the would- court. Becky Hammond was trying like she, what, she like, was trying like, yeah. when, when team Stewie was going on a run. I saw her calling timeout like, like, this is not good. Let's go. No. <laughs> we got to get this together. So that was, that was cool. It was cool. Uh, seeing the coaches actually, you know, coach, I, I did yeah. bring up to the person sitting next to me, like, what do you think they're talking about in those timeouts? You think they're actually drawing something up? Cause those, those whiteboards are looking pretty inactive, but uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have my normal seat. So I couldn't see that, that, that well, but uh, it's, I think it's an interesting question. Yeah, I thought Becky Hammond did a great job. Um, she's clearly taken a lot from Greg Popovich as a head yes. coach, but uh, yes. her her attention to detail in the All Star game was above and beyond <laughs> the Popovich model. You don't so you, you don't you don't think that. Pop would have would have uh, given that kind of effort in the All Star game? No, I do not. Not not <laughs> one bit. <laughs> uh, but anyway, thank you, Eric, so much for sharing with us a little bit about what actually went down All Star weekend in Chicago. And I'm yeah, glad you had a good time. You know, with However, the event was actually handled. <laughs> Is there anything that you wanted to plug that you're working on either for Switch Appeal or anywhere else? 
Um, well, Swish Appeal, uh, I have a weekly or almost weekly a fantasy basketball column called Three Up, Three Down. Mm-hmm. Um, some weeks it kind of takes a little uh, takes a little twist. Like this week in particular, I'm, I'm going to be writing about um, just five players to watch for the second half of the season. Excellent. But what I like doing is kind of highlighting who's playing really well in fantasy basketball, who's not playing really well in fantasy basketball, and what the outlook is. You know, like is – for example, uh, is Marina Mabry's uh, shooting struggles, are, are those reasons for concern? You know, probably not. But uh, I think not a lot of people, WMA fantasy basketball is still in its infancy as, as, mm-hmm. as a product. Right. So I think people who are actually, I don't want to say trying, because that sounds condescending, but, you know, people who are still getting into WMA fantasy basketball, they may not know all of the players. So putting right. it into a context of, you know, what's this player's role? who on this team is injured, who on this team, you know, is taking a big step up. Why? How's the outlook? That's enjoyable to, for me to write about. Cause I'm a huge fantasy basketball nerd, but also I think there's an audience for that as well as the whole fantasy basketball platform is still getting accommodated to the WNBA and vice versa. Um, and then I've also got a podcast with my friend, Steven called double down WNBA. Don't ask me how we came upon that name. I think it was just the alliteration, you know, and, and we sure. did realize after we realized afterward that double down is actually the name of a gambling podcast. So we're like, mm-hmm. wait a minute, is this a good idea? <laughs> but we have fun with it. We've been doing it since 2020, since prior to the 2020 season. Um, we release episodes almost every week, usually on a Monday, because that's, you know, when games don't play. Mm-hmm. Um, we prefer to talk about players and games in uh, statistical detail. And I realized that could sound kind of dry, but it also kind of fills a niche that, in my opinion, has kind of been lacking in the mm-hmm. WNBA content sphere, specifically on podcasts. Um, so if that's your thing, if you like stats, if you like deep dive uh, statistical breakdowns, stuff like that, um, feel free to tune in. We're at Double Down WNBA on Twitter. Uh, we should have an episode. I think our next one is ranking the top 10 players in the WNBA. Um, Going to be out next week, I believe. And this is And this is not something that we do, you know, like, for clickbait or for engagement. We're not, we don't get paid for this. We're just doing this as an earnest discussion. Um, because if there's anything the world needs, it's a podcast with two guys talking about basketball, right? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> no, I'm just I, I love top 10 lists, so I'm absolutely okay. tuning into that one. Well, uh, we I have one listener already. I appreciate yeah, that. I think that's a great plug for uh, your next show. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. But yeah, any, any engagement we can get is awesome. It really warms our hearts. So if you could please tune in, that's awesome. Um, but yeah, thank you again for having me on. I really enjoyed uh, talking about the All-Star Weekend and uh, let's get it for the second half of the season. Yeah. Thanks so much, Eric. And thank you everyone for listening. We'll be thank back you. next week.